This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. I want to talk to you, continue in a series of the power of worship. This is the second week, and we're talking about worship and its effect in the atmosphere, and, and I was actually stirred for some things that I was going to kind of share towards the end here, and I don't even know if we get into it for the sake of time here, but, but my text has been Mark uh, chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 It's where Jesus cures a demon-possessed man, and I took the time last week to read through all that, and I'm not going to do it for the sake of time here today, but the Bible talks about it says that Jesus, when he crossed over the sea, crosses through a storm to get to this man. I think that's interesting. And we talked about there's warfare in your life when you try to do something to help people. Can I get an amen? Anytime you do, you step out, you're doing something that the kingdom of God is behind and Satan does not like. The Bible says that immediately when he had come out of the boat, a man met him with an unclean spirit in verse 6. In Mark chapter 5. And when he saw Jesus, the scripture says that he ran towards him and he worshipped him. He worshipped him. I find that interesting. And then Mark chapter 5 verse 10, we ask you to underline this verse, highlight it, whatever, on your iPads. It says, and he begged Jesus repeatedly not to send them out of that region. And we talked about that Jesus asked him his name. His name was Legion, which means many. And and uh, uh, that, that, that this man was demon-possessed with many, numerous spirits in this man. And he's asking Jesus, he's begging him, please don't let us leave this territory. There's something about this region. There's something about this city. There's something about this, this place. We want to stay because this is where we have influence. And this is, so please don't. And they beg Jesus. And uh, Jesus sends him into the swine and they, they, they go off a cliff and, and, and then there's a continuation of the story. And I said this, that this is spiritual warfare 101. Spiritual warfare 101. And I said, we need to understand and we need to more than just understand, because I think there's a lot of teaching in the church, we need to wake up. So we need to wake up in America that we are in a war spiritually. Okay, a war spiritually for the heart and the soul of this nation. You know, we are blessed to be a blessing. And at one time, America sent more missionaries and paid for it than, you know, now it seems like China and Korea is doing that. But America at one time, I mean, we spend more money now, I think, on dog food than missionaries. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So aren't you glad you still have me as your pastor here? <laughs> <clears throat> And so, so there's, there, we're at war here, spiritually speaking, okay? And that the enemy, there are spiritual forces that are, they, they, they don't want to give up. They don't want to give up their regions, their cities. Their, and, and you tell us to people, and they think you're crazy. They just think you're nuts. You know, this doesn't make sense. But, but it's in the scriptures, and we see this here, an example, that he did not want to leave his region, these demons. And, you know, we talked about that the scripture says in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said, I will give you the keys. Somebody shout keys. To the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid, or the King James says, bind on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit or, you know, loose will be permitted in heaven. And so, so we are living in a society here today that is whatever it's allowed is what we have. We're reaping the fruit of that. God forgive us. 
Lord, forgive us. Amen. And we said this, though, about keys, and we want to touch on this, that keys give us access. Somebody shout access. You know, if I give you the keys to my car or vehicle, you have access to the vehicle. If I key to my home or whatever it may be, you have access access to that, to that, to, to whatever it is that those keys open and unlock. Amen. And so keys really are authority. They are authority. And what's sad is that many Christians are not aware of the authority or the access that they have in the spirit realm. They are not aware of that authority or access that they have, or they minimize it in their life. Or they ignore it, or they just don't really, it's not on their radar throughout the day. And here's the thing I want you to see, that, that when we don't, when we are ignorant or we are passive about that authority, it creates a vacuum spiritually where the enemy comes in. It creates a vacuum. So knowing that you have authority, and the scripture says, but you do nothing about it. Don't take authority in your household, over your family, over your kids, and your business, over your own life personally. A vacuum happens, and the enemy can step in. Somebody say amen. amen. See, if we will not lead spiritually in our lives, our houses, our businesses, our communities, something else will. Something else will step in, and it'll lead. It'll take over. And, you know, going back to this point of spiritual warfare, you know, in America, we are at war spiritually. You know, yesterday at 9.55 a.m., Robert Bowers, a person full of demons and evil, he walked into the tree of life synagogue and he massacred 11 people and he wounded six people. And it, there's just a ripple effect in our country. He hated Jews and he shouted, all Jews must die, anti-Semitic. And Here's the thing. We live in a world today that generally seeks to discount and ignore evil. It's not, you know, they're going to try to have this you know, psychoanalysis and a analyze all this. To discount the existence of the devil is to make a devilish mistake. And that's what cu culture and communities do. And they try to find that there's some other reason behind all this. If you do not believe that the devil exists, hear me, you will never be able to fully identify the horrors of evil. <laughs> you, you won't be able to, and you're not going to understand this, where all this comes from. It's from the root and the spawn of Satan. And Satan's mode is to kill, steal, and destroy. All right? That's why we need houses of worship that are strong but are vigilant and can protect the enemy. You never thought we'd get to a place like this, but we have, you know, have to have training in this to protect our own people because there's a real enemy out there, okay? He's a real enemy. And so we, are, we need to use that authority and use it wisely, but we need to be, my point is, the vigilance. We cannot orchestrate our lives that I'm going to just get married and I'm, once in a while, church will be on my radar. Hey, we don't have anything going on this month. Think we should maybe go, yeah, that'd be fun. We got nothing going on this Sunday, so let's go to church. That is the wrong mindset. I said, we can't do that anymore in America. We have advocated spiritual authority to the enemy. We do that because, you see, the early Christians, they were vigilant. Church was the kingdom of God coming together corporately when they prayed. They was on their minds and hearts because they knew they were in warfare. We have just got to live our life, and just take all our selfies and pictures and just kind of enjoy. And I'm not, I'm not against that, okay? We, we do it too, both. But come on, life has just become about what others think of how fun you're having it. Life is not about that, church. There is a vigilance. There is a spiritual posture we need to come back to, a vigilant spiritual. You go, you know what? I care about my community. Amen? I care about my public schools. I care about my families here. I care about this church. 
We care. We care about this. And so we're going to not have church on our radar when we step in here at 1035, you know, and go, oh, hey, we're at church. First time I thought about it all week, we'd be to be thinking about God's kingdom every day. That's not paranoid. That's spiritual. That's spiritual. I don't know why, but I just really feel strong. We need to wake up as the people of God. Amen? Wake up. Because the enemy is just stealing. He's killing. He's destroying. And we're out, you know, taking selfies over, you know. I don't want to get on it. God forgive me. Now everyone's not going to. There will be no selfies from church people here today. <laughs> Maybe one of me, you know, preaching. Stop the... But, but you understand my heart, but the point of saying is to be vigilant spiritually. We cannot have a mindset of passivity, spiritually passive, that somebody else will take care of it. No, we are the somebody else. We are the somebody else that is going to protect our community, that are going to permit, that are not going to permit, that are going to allow, that are going to loose, that are going to allow stuff to come into our community, our homes, our lives. We need to be vigilant. We need people that, you know, that were on alert. I've been spent time in the Marine Corps. And I remember, you know, there's a lot of times you kind of feel like you're just going through the motions, you know. And I talked to my daughter. I said, honey, you know, you're in the Corps. You, you, you know, you're, you're serving there. But some days you get up, you feel like, you know, you're just making the donuts. You're wiping grease off, putting grease back on. But when the call comes, you got to be ready. Okay, and see what's happened is, is we kind of lull in America's spiritual passivity that someone else will take it. My life's just going to be about fun. My life's just going to be, come on, I'm preaching really good, but you, you, it's, just, it's just, my life's fun. I just want to get married. We just want to have fun, and, and, and we don't really want to work hard. We just want to have ease in our life. That is the wrong mindset. We are losing our nation. Somebody say amen. And we got to come back. We gotta, and the answer is spiritual vigilance. I believe that. I'm not talking militancy. I'm just saying being, we are awake spiritually. God is on our radar, not just from 10.30 to noon on a Sunday. God is on our radar daily. He is daily on our radar. And if that, if that causes you to feel convicted, that's a good thing. You be convicted here today and you leave and go, wow, I got I to gotta wake up. You know, I got to wake up spiritually. Amen. Well, we better move along here. Quickly, Genesis 28.16, we talked about... I'll uh, use the illustration here. Jacob, he has this dream. And it's, the scripture talks about in Genesis 28 about this ladder. And, and verse 16, he says this. Jacob said, God is in this place for sure. And I didn't even know it. We talked about that last week, about how we can be in church. We can be around the things of God and just ignorant spiritually what's going on. But then it says he was terrified and he whispered in awe. Incredible, wonderful, holy. This is God's house. This is the gate of heaven. He used that term, the gate of heaven, because he saw this ladder, and there was angels ascending and descending. Angels ascending and descending. You know, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed because they do not know me. We know more about the Vikings and the linemen, and we know about the passes, and we know about their stats, but do we know God? Amen, Pastor Mike. Come on. You know, what are we focusing on? What do we focus on? My people are destroyed because they don't know me, God says. They don't know me. And the Bible says he fell asleep. He had this dream, and he saw this ladder in the dream, and he saw angels ascending. And we said this, that that, that last week there were transactions. They were happening between heaven and earth. Watch this. Business transactions, spiritual contracts, dealings, communication was happening, and he didn't know it. He was ignorant to it until he saw this dream. See, here's the thing, friends. Our God is not a distant God. 
He's a communicating God. Can you say amen? Now, that doesn't mean, watch this now, that everything you need to know will be handed to you. There is a pressing in to the kingdom of God. How many know when you look for gold, it's just not on the ground most of the time? I wish it was. I wish rocks had value. You know, you'd be a millionaire. But it's something you have to dig for. It's something that it's just, it's not on the surface. Once in a while, there's nuggets and streams. and But really, you have to go down. You have to dig. I remember in 1992, I was, uh, had the opportunity to go to South Africa. And I went to actually a, one of the uh, uh, village main reef. It was a gold, it was a gold uh, mine. And I went down this rickety elevator. And I don't know, I was a couple hundred feet down. And it started getting hot. And I'm thinking, okay. And, and they walked in just in these narrow caverns that they cut out. And we had these helmets on with suits. And, and they said, see right there, that dark, that's, that's the vein. And we're following that vein. That's gold. I said, it doesn't look like gold. He said, but when it's heated and it's purified, it's pure gold. It's just not laying on the surface. Spiritual things, our growth spiritually, it's going to take effort spiritually. Amen. Amen. We have to be vigilant. We have to wake up spiritually and go, what am I going to do tomorrow that's going to further my spiritual growth? Can I get an amen? Because if we continue to do the same thing, the enemy is going to steal territory. He's going to steal. It's like somebody else is going to take care of that. Somebody else is going to take care of that. We are the somebody else's. Amen. <laughs> well, glory to God. Aren't you glad you did pastor appreciation this morning? God, forgive me. But, but, but here's my point is that I believe in the realm of the spirit that, 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 that this passage, it's, it, that there are access points. And, and actually, Bethel means house of God. That's where Jacob was. That's where he rested his head. And, and, and I believe that local churches that have Jesus Christ is the, is the focal point in the center. I'm not talking about cults, and I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about churches that proclaim Christ. And whether it, if it's, you know, Lutheran or Baptist or Methodist or what, you know, whatever denomination, they love Jesus Christ as Lord, and they believe that's the way of salvation, that, that they are God's access points on earth. I believe that. I, I believe they're God's access point on earth. And, and I believe that the local churches, they are the Bethels, the houses of God. That's why it's so important. The enemy, what does he do? If he, if he can't get you tripped up personally in your own life in some way, and he's going to get you offended at something with the pastor. He's going to get you offended at the church and offended at something. So what? Now we don't go to church anymore. You know, there are thousands of Christians, literally, in this region, in this state, littered that do not attend church. And they claim to know Jesus. Bitter, angry, oh, I'll tell you about this and that pastor, this and that. And an enemy has you right there. And see, deception comes in. There was a man one time that was, uh, I've got to be vague here. And he came to me and he was trying to tell me I wasn't a Christian. And uh, came witnessing to my, my door. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm not one of those non-witnessing Christians, okay? So you can't do that. And I, and I just, I challenged him some, some, some things. And I said, you know what? You don't even attend church. You know, and immediately he just kind of, his shoulders dropped. And I said, you need to repent to that. And I, I rebuked a guy. I rebuked a guy. It was 20-something years later, he came up to me and he apologized. He said, I'm sorry for what I did. It was wrong. And I was kind of pretending, I don't know what you're talking about, but I knew exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Forgive me, but I'm weak too. <laughs> I remember, you know. Here, not all girl, all, not all, hear me, not all churches are embracing everything that God has for them. Neither have we at Harvest. Neither have we. And I'd be the first to admit that. God has more for us. 
He has more for us than just a physical building for the next step. But a building is a statement. See, see, you know, how many of you own a house? Let me see you here. Well, you say, well, okay, the bank owns it, but I don't care. How many own a house, okay? You own a house. And, you know, you, yeah, it's something that's yours. It, it's yours. It's your land. That's your property. One of the biggest things when we were in Ukraine, when we would travel there, all those many, many trips with Pete. I said, Pete, I said, can you own a, can you get some property? He goes, at this point, we cannot. Because the, the Russian and the mafia, the government will come in, and, and if they decide they don't like what you're doing, you purchase it, they'll snatch that thing out from underneath you. But what's happened, what's changed in the 90s is that title companies came in from Europe and they're like, you know what? If someone's going to say they're going to buy property, it's theirs and they're protected with rights. Then they started buying stuff and they were having holdings. My point is this, is that a church that has its own property is a statement. It's a statement. It's saying something that this is God's property. Amen? So we don't think that way. We just think hey, it's just a place to meet. We can meet anywhere. Well, we are meeting anywhere. We've been meeting anywhere for the last 18 years. But a church is a place that says, this is God's land. This is, and this place will displace the enemy. Not all, a bar doesn't displace the enemy. It invites it in. It has neon signs. Come, devils, come. <laughs> right? Welcome, all demons, <laughs> all perversity, all adultery, every spirit. Come on in. Drunkenness. But a church displaces the enemy. Yeah. It's a grounds that says, you know, this is the Lord's house and will not have what culture is trying to impose upon us. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> so, so houses of God, I believe that we, 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 let's embrace what God has for us. Let's embrace what God has for us. And so, so we see that in this situation, he didn't even recognize the importance of God's house. Worship in the atmosphere. In the Old Testament, King Saul, after he rebelled and he rejected God's command, I won't give a, a huge background, it says that God, watch this now, took the Holy Spirit from him and he put it on David. Let me show you this verse here. Very interesting verse. First uh, uh, Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel... He went to the house, and Jethro, and he says, and when the evil spirit, uh, <clears throat> okay, excuse me, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. 1 Samuel 6, 13, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, came upon him. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, actually, because they would, it came upon them, wasn't within them in the Old Testament, but the Spirit would come upon them. It says that, that it left Saul, and it comes upon David. And we said this earlier, so when that happens, when, 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 when you advocate your authority, the enemy can step in. There was a vacuum in King Saul's life. And so now that vacuum has an opportunity for the enemy, for the enemy. So too, I even see in America, there's a vacuum here. And that we, God, forgive us. Forgive us for pursuing and chasing the world in its ways and, and, and then creating a spiritual vacuum in our country. Forgive us, O Lord. Forgive us, O Lord. Not valuing what God values. Not, not pursuing him, but pursuing pleasure and fun. There's nothing wrong with pleasure and fun, but it cannot be the priority, the aim goal of our life. Amen? Amen? There's times for that in the season. There's time. Listen, when they had battles and they won certain things or they had weddings, they celebrated. God let them celebrate. When there's, there's a time for that. There's a time for just, you know what, let's all get pizza and let's have fun. And just, you know what, but life is not constantly eating pizza and having fun. 
It's time we have to be vigilant in our marriages and with dealing with our kids. Amen. And so, so this vacuum happens, and, and I believe it's because of the authority that Saul had in his life. The Bible says that an evil spirit, watch this, came upon King Saul, a distressing demonic spirit, to torment him, to torment him. And so King Saul, his leaders could see this, that their king, Saul, he was distressed. And so they said, let's find someone. Now watch this, anointed. I'm going to pull the scripture up here. Anointed and soothe his distress through worship. Through worship. So they found David, a little shepherd boy. The Bible says that when the distressing spirit would come upon him, David would worship and play a harp and he would sing. And the Bible says that that distressing spirit would temporarily leave from Saul and he would become refreshed and well. 1 Samuel 16, 23. And it came to pass when the evil spirit was upon Saul that David took the harp and played with his hands. So Saul found relief. Somebody shout relief. And it was well with him, and the evil spirit departed from him. Wow, there's a lot right there in that verse, but what is the Lord saying? Here is, I believe, a biblical illustration of what worship can do in our lives. Worship can do personally, corporately, what it can do in the community, what it can do in a nation, worship and the importance of that. It routes, basically, it's saying demons. It brings relief. Okay, uh, it can make you well in your soul. That's why whatever you listen to day in and day out is going to come out of your life. If I'm working in the garage and sometimes I'll be down there and late at night and fixing something, whatever, I know that I have to keep worship on to keep my mind straight and narrow. How many know what I'm saying? Because you, you could get off some crazy you go, country in the West and, well, she left me, you know, what, you're, and, your whole, and what happens is at 10 o'clock at night, well, he left me, and then you're thinking about that. Amen? But if you got worship on, you could be brushing your teeth and worship songs going inside you. Because you're feeding that. Come on now, this is this ABC growth here. You know, this is, you know, growing uh, 101 in the spirit. And so it can bring relief. It can make you well in your soul. Scripture says David took a string instrument and he played and he worshiped God. Let me give you the 2018 interpretation with this. I'm going to say this in a life-giving way. Just think about this now. Just, just a thought. You could say that Church of the Harvest and its members... They took up their instruments, they played. They played the drums, they sang. They played the keyboard, bass guitar, acoustical guitar, violin, electric guitar, the flute, trumpet. In other words, everyone that had an ability was willing to step forward and they did that in the house of God. They willingly served. So just some, some, some questions here as I read this verse and I apply it to my own life too. Are we, just a thought, are we missing out on God's best because of potential gaps in our church or in our worship? Just a thought. Think about that. Gaps in our service here in God's house. Are, are, we, are we missing out something? Oh, just a thought. Are we still distressed because of maybe possibly we're not passionately engaging in the worship of our God privately throughout the week or, or when we come together corporately? You know, I mean, I don't really feel, I mean, the church is for zombies. Amen. What I mean, you know what I mean, spiritual zombies, but people that are not even, or I don't want to say spiritual, just come in, they don't know God, they're just totally, they got demons, whatever. The church is for those people, amen? That's what you want. But the, the Christians <laughs> that are filled with the Spirit, that know God, should not come in every week like a zombie. Amen? 
arms falling off, whatever, and let's worship God. You know, we're just falling apart. Uh, What's happening throughout the week? What's happening throughout the week? We crack open the Bible Sunday morning or the iPad. Where is that app? That app has not been updated in a while. Amen? Oh, man. Some of you looking at me like, I wish he had someone fill in this Sunday. <laughs> so are we distressed because of that? Is there still a distress in our life? That, that, or here's a, is it possible that the reason we still could be tormented, watch this, is because of maybe of a lack of thirst and hunger for the Lord? And worship, praying, reading of his God's word, and listening to godly podcasts. And is, is, is it possible that maybe spiritual indifference has set in? Is it possible? Webster's define indifference as want or lack of intent or concern, apathy. Has spiritual apathy set in in our lives? God forgive us. One national minister recently said, we don't want to live Jesus incorporated. Amen? That's not what he's called us to. Friends, let me ask you this. Has God done something wonderful in your life? Has God done something wonderful in your life? Then he is worthy of all our praise, all our devotion, all our honor, all of our worship. Can I get an amen in this place? He and he alone is God. And he's worthy. And so when we leave the kingdom of darkness, we leave one slave master and we come into an, a sonship and a daughtership relationship with the father. But he's still our master. He's like, I just want to run to the Lord and jump in his lap and hug me. That's good. Jump in his lap and hug you. But he's still God. He's still Lord. He's still master. And we are his servants. Amen. Even though that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. He's made us sons and daughters. He's brought us in in his righteousness. And those are powerful truths. Kind of conclude right here. You know, there's power in our worship and praise. Besides blessing you and ministering to the Lord, watch this. Your praise, watch this, has the potential to clear the spiritual atmosphere in your family. It has the potential to clear the spiritual atmosphere in your husband and wife relationship or with your kids. It has the potential to clear the spiritual atmosphere in the church. If everyone comes in like zombies and we wonder what's going on, well, let's see what pastor got today, see if he's anointed. (laughs) No pressure on me. That 200 people, I've got to, you know, (laughs) I'm not Jesus. (laughs) Listen, Jesus would show up at places and they rejected him and they threw him out. This is the son of God. This is the creator of all, Colossians is the creator of all things. And they go, we don't want to listen to you. And they threw him out. Wow. I'm not equating in myself to the Lord. But what I'm saying is this, that, that how and our posture is when we come in, in the church here should be one of, of, of you know what, I got a, lot of, a lot of hell this week. How many know what I mean by a lot of hell this week? Been just faced with a lot of hell this week. But we're going to get some heaven right now. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to worship God. And Do you feel it? Not at all. But in Jesus' name, I'm just trusting as I step out in faith. Inside, I feel terrible. But I'm not going to let what's inside dictate outside worship. So what are you doing? You're just putting on a show. No, you're driving back the darkness. You're pushing back the oppression of the enemy. And when praises go up, blessings come down. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would, please. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, this story, 
King Joram of Israel. It was actually Ahab, who was a very wicked son, uh, a wicked man. He's a wicked king, and he has a son, Joram. And King Jehoshaphat, who, who was of Judah, he was, a, he was a good king. He was a good king. He loved the Lord. Well, in this chapter here in 2 Kings 3, it talks about that little background. Moab was uh, uh, the king of Moab. His name was Misha. He used to pay tribute to Ahab when he was alive of sheep. So he had to raise a lot of sheep. Well, Ahab dies. His son takes over. He goes, I'm not paying you nothing. So he said, we're going to war. So he you know, calls up, dial, sends a text to Jehoshaphat. Hey, come on down here. We need you to fight. So Jehoshaphat says, I'm with you. We're brothers. Let's go. So the north and the south, they gather together with another king, and they go, we're going we're gonna to attack them. So where do we go? We go out in the desert. So two weeks, they're out in the desert. There's no water. And they're about to, they're animals and their horses. And they're, you know, they're just, just they're thirsty. And, they, and basically, they're like, are we out here to die and be defeated? And so Jehoshaphat says this, he says, is there not somebody spiritually here that we can ask and inquire of the Lord to know what to do? And yeah, they said, well, there is one. It's uh, Elisha. And uh, he was a uh, servant of Elijah and, and uh, pretty powerful man of God. But so, so, so then in 2 Kings 3, they go, they, these kings go there and the scripture says that they, they ask him and they like, hey, let's inquire of the Lord. And this is what the scripture says, 2 Kings 3, 14, 16. And then Elisha said, as surely as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not for my regard for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not, <laughs> I would not look at you or acknowledge you, King Joram. That's not a nice thing to say, but the truth of the matter is, is like, if, if, if Jehoshaphat wasn't here, I wouldn't even acknowledge you, slam the door in your face. Because he knew what he stood for and the evil that he did. But, I, but, but here's, watch, watch this. Even with all of that, this is what... Um, <clears throat> That's our verse right there, 2 Kings 3, 14 and 16. And then verse 15, it says this. This is what Elisha says. He says, now bring me a musician. Somebody shout musician. And when the musician played, something happened. The hand of the Lord came upon him. So in one minute, he's like, I want, to, I want nothing to do with you. Slam the door. Bring me someone to bring worship in this situation. So you can be in a tense you could be in a, you think like God is nowhere in sight. We've been fighting so bad. Things are so bad. You can bring worship in it and it can change the atmosphere right away. It can change the atmosphere. So don't think, well, I got to really conjure up spiritually. Bring worship in the chaos. Bring worship in the midst of it. Some of you just need to stop in the middle of your argument and start praising God. Yeah, really. Just like, you know what? No, in Jesus' name, I just worship you, God. Help me through this, you know, whatever you're dealing with. Worship. Bring me someone that can play. Bring me a musician. And the musician played. And the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Elijah says he asked for this musician. And when the musician came and he played, watch this. The atmosphere shifted. It shifted. And the Spirit of God came upon Elijah. And what he did, he prophesied. Excuse me, what he does, he prophesies. He prophesies what's going to happen. He says, go out, dig holes. Water's going to come in. You're going to be able to water all the animals, and I will defeat Moab. And he defeats him. What am I trying to say? Worship can change the atmosphere. Worship can change the atmosphere in your life. Every head bowed, please. Worship team, you can come forward. Your worship of God will change your atmosphere. I want to encourage you. If you have a constant diet of anything other than worship going on in your life day in and day out. Listen, something you got to shut the news off sometimes, okay? Shut it off. It's just, it's just too much. 
It's just too much. You get overwhelmed. Well, I want to be informed. It's way too much information. It's way too much. You know, we can find out, get the headlines, but if you have a constant diet of something that is not furthering you for the, it, the things and the purpose of God to build your spirit, I want to I challenge you here this morning to filter that out of your life and replace it. So you can't give up something without replacing it. You won't. You won't do it. You'll continue to do. But if you interject, I want to encourage you, interject. I don't even have any worship stuff. My goodness, Spotify and, you know, all these other things that are out there you can download. Worship is there. I want to encourage you. Worship. Worship will change your atmosphere. Worship can help you in situations of temptation if you allow it, if you let it. Worship of God. We're here not talking about a religious activity, church. We're talking about worshiping Almighty God. And, and, and we can't just look up into heaven and go, well, I'm waiting to see what you're going to do, God. No, we draw near unto God, James says. You have to make the effort. You have to make the step. You're the first one that says, I will draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. That's a promise. Every head bowed, you're here this morning, and said, Pastor, I'm not right with the Lord. I believe in God, but I don't know where you're at with that, but it's not right. You just don't, you just don't feel it. Don't, don't, don't sense anything. The Bible says today is a day for salvation. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Why did he give his son? To provide a means of intimacy and salvation for mankind. You must make the effort to invite Christ into your life. If you don't do that, he's not coming in. You just have to have a willing heart and say, you know what? I need you, God. My ways aren't working. I need you. You're here this morning and say, you know what? I need to get right with God. Today's a great day. Let's pray together corporately. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. I believe you died in that cross for my sin. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, then God meant it. And he will meet you at your point of need. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.